Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. Suck, Welcome to 18 Over Bar with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we welcome Brian Munns, Director of Communications for Golf Manitoba. You've also probably heard him calling Winnipeg Jets games on radio and TV. You can catch his Jetstream wrap-up after every Jets game or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find him on all Golf Manitoba social media channels and Brian Munns 9 on Twitter. Or you can find him around the greens on any given day at one of the 70 Golf Manitoba courses. All right, super excited to have uh, this gentleman join us on 18 over par. And as always, Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park proudly drive our show. We still haven't bought our vehicles from Wilkie yet, but he's doing all right. Not yet. He's doing fine. Uh, You can uh, check them out at winnipegdodge.com or just head down there to the Point West Auto Park. And as well, I know uh, Brian and especially, I believe his son, are really excited to get an 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nicky group of DQs. You can catch them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. The locations are DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ 
St. Anne's Road. So seeing as this is a, a golf podcast and we have the Director of Communications of Golf Manitoba on, how did you get into golf? Well, guys, first of all, since it is May, full disclosure, I can say the positive thing on that Dairy Queen cake, it would have been our third in the month of April because both my son and my birthdays are in April and DQ cakes are kind of the thing in our house. Oh, perfect. So three in a month probably would have been too much. But <laughs> now that we're into May, we're good to go. So no, I appreciate four. that and thanks for having me. Yep. <laughs> so aside from uh, the DQ cakes, uh, how often do you, do you get out uh, and play and whereabouts do you play? Well, you know what, guys? Uh, I love the game of golf. As much as I'm known in the city of Winnipeg for hockey and obviously being on the air with both the Moose and the Jets, uh, I spend as much time as possible uh, on the golf course and across the province, really. And that's one of the great things about being from the prairies is there are so many available opportunities, not only to go play, but to discover new ones. Like even I look at the fact I've lived in Winnipeg now for 15 years. And since taking this job in the last month, working with golf Manitoba, I've discovered new courses that I haven't got out to play yet because of the weather, obviously, but just the abundance of hidden gems that we have right now in Manitoba and under the golf Manitoba umbrella here that uh, I'm really excited about the upcoming season. But for the most part, uh, I play at Breezy Bend. I play at Niagara. I play at Pine Ridge. I played at Southwood. So I've been really fortunate uh, out to Falcon Lake for quite a few rounds, up to Clear Lake for a couple, uh, to Granite Hills. I love when we have an opportunity to get out of the city and just kind of discover what uh, you know some of the other courses are like that you don't necessarily um, have the opportunity to play all the time just because of proximity. So. Like I mentioned before, uh, I will go play anywhere I can when the calendar presents. And now that uh, it looks like it's starting to warm up here next week, we'll uh, hopefully get to play a little bit more and finally get out a little bit more consistently. Do you usually crush a DQ cake before you go out and play? Is that your go-to pregame meal? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, uh, that probably wouldn't bode well for by the time you got oh. to about the sixth hole. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, add, That's a right. Little, add a little extra distance off the tee with the flamethrower. Yeah. That's what we found anyways. <laughs> was, there a, was there a parent or someone that, that got you into the game, or did you just pick it up uh, by yourself? No, it's all my dad. Um, you know, so I was born in Regina and I remember vividly going to the Tor Hill golf course, which is uh, a city course in Regina. And he'd just take me out with his buddies. And I can't remember how old I was, but I know I was really young. And that's the fun thing for me now. Like my son just turned 10 and he's been going to the golf course since he was four or five years old. And it's so much fun to be able to do that. But the cool part really about it now is as much as just kind of just getting them out of the house and getting them involved or introduced into the game. Now he's full bore on it too. And he wants to go every time that uh, I'm heading out to play, whether it's for work or whether it's for fun. So uh, kind of managing that a little bit, but you know, it needs to be able to pass that down to another generation and, you know, I give my dad all the credit in the world for taking me to the course there. And then when uh, summer holidays would come, we always went to Waska Sioux, which was the Prince Albert National Park, about two hours north of Saskatoon. And we'd spend a few weeks there every summer. And 
growing up really at the Lobster Golf Course in Waska Sioux, we'd, uh, you know, it's funny, we talk about Dairy Queen, we'd go to the putting green and we'd have putting contests for ice cream, right? Whoever won got, <laughs> got the free ice cream out of the deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's childhood memories for me now that I've been able to pass along to my son and, and we have a great time with it. So again, for kind of as long as I can remember, I've loved the game and over the last, uh, you know, 20 some years since getting into broadcasting, obviously it's worked out really well because I'm extremely busy with no time off in the winter at all. But then in the summertime, it's really my opportunity to hang out with the family and then get a little bit of downtime where I get away from kind of the pressures of the real world on the golf course. Brian, yeah, any, are you worried about your son beating you yet or a couple a couple years down the road? No, I'm not worried about it yet because he likes hitting the uh, golf ball in the sand. But he thinks it's cool to hit it in the bunker. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe he'll be yeah. a good bunker so, player then. That's not a bad way to start uh, if you learn how to play out of the sand. Yeah, you're not wrong on that. But, uh, no, I've got a little bit of time. But I will tell you, though, this past weekend I was out to Steinbeck and to, to Quarry Oaks and Steinbeck. And then I was up to Elmhurst for the Golf Manitoba development teams. The boys and girls were both practicing. Mm. They got outside for the first yeah. time. And there's some girls in the junior development program that are as young as 11. Wow. And there's a couple of the junior boys who I believe were 15. And there was a 15 and 16-year-old boy. I was talking to one of the dads. And he said that, you know, him and his buddies don't want his son coming anymore because he beats them. <laughs> they, it's, it's amazing to see the skill level and talent of these youngsters right now. And, and again, you know, the boys are probably a little bit more developed with the strength and that kind of stuff. So they hit it harder and a little bit further than what some of the young girls do right now. But to watch some of, of what those boys were able to do, like they're hitting at 300 yards. Oh, come on. And <laughs> it, it's unreal. Like, uh, Adam Ingram, who Derek Ingram, mm-hmm. the head coach for Golf Canada, his son's out there, and he was hitting drivers off the deck and just crushing these things. <laughs> and Braxton Koontz, who's a young up-and-coming mm-hmm. golf star that's heading down to uh, American College next year, watching him hit the ball. I know he's, I think he's set 16 or 17 or 18, whatever he is now. But uh, just to see how the technology and then you know, for a lot of these kids too, it's the God given ability yeah. that, uh, that they can make things happen. It's fun. So to have a guy that's 10 years old right now and know that maybe I only have a four or five year window left where I know I'm going to beat them all the time. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take full advantage of that. <laughs> you just keep circling your lower score after every round just to, <laughs> that's right. just to dig it in there. Uh, with, so with yeah. golf, golf Manitoba then, and I, I know you've, you've recently joined them. Has yeah. Golf Manitoba seen an uptick then in juniors, especially uh, come COVID? Because I remember when I was playing at Assiniboine and working at Assiniboine, there was about 100 or so juniors, like full junior members, which is quite a bit. Wow. And then by the time uh, I left, it dwindled down to maybe half of that. And there were some years where they were struggling to get juniors, but it seems like junior golf has started to you know, curve in the right direction anyway. Yeah, it really has, guys. And you know, we've got 70 member courses right now, and that number seems to continue to grow. Every couple of days, there's a new course jumping on board, and we're really excited about that. But, you know, I've had a chance to talk to all the golf courses. That's kind of what 
my focus was here for the first couple of weeks on the job was just to reach out to everybody and say, hey, I'm here to help you spread the word and then give me some stories of kind of what's going on with your golf course. And every venue has talked about their junior golf program and they've seen it across the province and even into the northwestern parts of Ontario that Gulf Manitoba kind of goes into that umbrella as well is everybody is just so excited with with how junior golf has really taken off and when you think about it it makes sense right because golf is the one sport right now that you can do safely at a distance you're outside when the weather is nice here and and you can take advantage of it because we've all been housebound here for the last year plus and everybody wants to get outside both mentally and physically just to kind of enjoy yourself a little bit more so you know, you don't have to be a competitive golfer. You don't have to go out and keep score. You can just go out and whack the ball around and, and just enjoy the fresh air. And if you shoot 65 or if you shoot 105, it, it doesn't really matter. It just gets you outside. So I think that's what has been so neat about taking on this new job is, you know, I probably look at it a little bit more, at least going into it as more of the competitive side and the lower end handicap players. But to see what the juniors have been able to do to see how big the female game is continuing to grow right now. Brooke Henderson's obviously the torch for everybody here in uh, in Canada. And there's so many young women that want to grow up and, and be part of Brooke's brigade that uh, it, it's been fun. So I've loved the first couple of weeks to kind of really get a chance to see what this is all about. But uh, there's no question here that if there is one positive to COVID, and there hasn't been really many, uh, you can say that uh, I think people have taken full advantage of golf. And, and that's one part of me joining on now, too, is, you know, we want to, as, as a golf society, we want to kind of take the ball and run with this now because in the next year or two or whatever it may be, people are going to get back to their real lives, right? People are going to get the chance to go on vacations and go on trips overseas and, and do different things where you don't want them to say, hey, I did that for a couple of years. Now I'm going back to my real life. You want them to have golf involved in their life all the way through. And, and again, that's where it doesn't just have to be the competitive side. You can go out as a, as a family and, and enjoy a few hours and play nine holes or play 13 holes or whatever you want to do, whatever your time permits. And, uh, and it's a great way to spend time with family and friends. And is that something with Golf Manitoba? Do you actually work, I won't say closely, but uh, with the public health authorities, uh, you know, with the, the pool noodles being in the cups and, and all that, do you see that changing this year? Are you kind of just sticking with the COVID rules for this year, then you'll regroup and see what happens next year or next season? I yeah, should say. you know what? Yeah, you know what, guys? I don't really know if there's an answer to that one yet. I know, like, our executive director, Jared Latterbrook's on calls all the time with the government and with golf Canada and the governing bodies that kind of look over everything. And, you know, there's, you don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone as the summer continues here, right. With the virus and kind of the way it's going in the province here right now with everything locked down a little bit more. So I think at present time, we should all just be thrilled that we all get a chance to go out and play golf right now, whatever the rules are and uh, to do it as, as safe and as socially distanced as possible because the one thing we've learned with last year is it can be done and you can have just as much fun. Like you don't have to pull the pin out. I know it drives some golfers nuts, but if that's the biggest problem you have in your day, then, 
and you've got a pretty good life going on. So, uh, it helps me. Add to, yeah, well, exactly. You just bang it against the post and say it's in, right? That's right. <laughs> yes, bar right. down, baby, bar yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, so so to say exactly what the rules and what the regulations are going to be, nobody really knows right now. We're just kind of playing by, by what the public health orders are, and uh, you know, you just kind of wake up every morning and you see what's next. Yeah, so and that's the same, I guess, with the the full golf Manitoba schedule with the amateur tournaments and the junior tournaments. It's still kind of go ahead until we're told not to. Yeah, everything's good to go uh, as of right now. Again, unless something changes and uh, something goes awry drastically here, we're excited about uh, the number of events that get underway. Actually, coming up at the end of the month here with the match play championship that really gets the ball rolling for the twenty twenty one calendar season and. That, uh, that's one thing that I'm really excited about because whether I was working at CJOB doing the Moose games or, you know, that was probably where I did it the most because I was out at a lot of the different events with TSN. It was a bit of a different setup where it was more focused on, on just doing the hockey side of things with the Jets. But uh, anytime I get a chance to go out and watch these competitors play, whether it's the men, the women, the juniors, the seniors, I have a lot of fun with it. So now that it's kind of my sole focused job, that uh, I'm going to be out there every day watching these players during these uh, tournaments. Uh, I'm excited to get this thing going here at the end of the month. Absolutely, Brian. And one thing you mentioned was promoting Manitoba's golf courses. I, I want to say I've been enjoying the tweets recently, uh, the hole-in-one tweets especially. I think that really <laughs> drives me to to try to get that hole-in-one. You know, before I was like, ah, you know, it'll only be listed in the newspaper. But now, as an elderly millennial that I am, I think uh, having the tweets and the social media, I think that's great. Um, and then also there was like a, a tweet, it's going to be a nice day tomorrow, boys or guys or whoever. And, you know, you better go out and golf. So I just, I love the social media uh, recently. So keep that up. Well, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that about the hole in one because I'm the exact same way as you. Like, I had no idea this many people get hole in one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was blown away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it was one of the first couple of days that I was in the office and the first one came in. And wow. I said to Amy Coggan, who runs kind of everything behind the scenes for us, I said to her, because she's the one that creates the uh, the certificates when they get sent into the office, and then she'll send them out to, to whoever got the hole-in-one. And she's like, oh, yeah, we have like 300 of these a year or whatever the exact – and I was like, come on. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then – so we were kind of joking about that because the summer is obviously going to get a lot more busy and – Again, when we get into the match play event at the end of the month here, then my calendar is going to be really busy for kind of the end of May and then through June, July, and August, where we were talking in the office of, you know, how are we going to handle these hole-in-ones? Like, I'm not going to be able to individually send out social media on everybody that goes. So maybe we'll do a Monday morning update. Here's what happened in the past six days, or here's what happened over the weekend, or, or that kind of thing. But even today, like there were three hole in ones at golf Manitoba golf courses. Wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> so like, and I agree with you. I haven't got one yet. <laughs> I'm, I've been shut out in that regard. And yeah, you always get to a part three and you're thinking, okay, here's the one. And then it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. And you just kind of continue to think that all the time. Uh, yeah. But the other thing I'm kind of, I'm kind of, sorry, go ahead. I'm kind of driven right. I'm kind of driven right now to send my own tweet up. 
that's my whole goal now in the summer. I want to be able to say, hey, I got one too. And then and then you see all these videos on Instagram of people getting holes in ones, and you're like, well, maybe I should have my friends videotaping me on every par three just in case, so that way you have you have that uh, on camera for to remember for always. <laughs> so we did that last year. I was playing with Calvin Pickard, goalie with the Detroit Red Wings, and Adam Brooks of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We were at Southwood. And uh, Brooks, he's a pretty good golfer. Picks just okay. He's a, he's about the same as me. Okay, oh, but, just okay. Well, you're pretty good. I was hoping you were going to throw him under the bus. <laughs> okay, I'm better than him. <laughs> but uh, but Brooks, he's playing pretty good. And we thought, you know what? Let's have some fun with this because the course was nice enough. We were at to let us out and, and all that kind of stuff. He said, "Okay, we'll we'll do some promotion for you." So he was on one of the par threes. Adam was, and just shanked it right in the water. Because we had the video rolling. Because the fun part about the fun part about my relationship with Adam Brooks was, you know, he got to play in Winnipeg here. I guess it'd be a year and a half ago now, and it was one of the TV games that I was doing when Dennis Bayak was away at the World Junior Hockey Championship when the Leafs were in town, and I got to call his first NHL point. Mm-hmm. He set up a goal here inside Bell MTS Place. So that was kind of fun, and obviously being a Winnipeg guy, I kind of played it up a little bit more on the air on <laughs> on TV that night. So you wouldn't do that, I would thought, you? <laughs> well, I thought, hey, this is this is perfect. Like I called your first NHL point. I'm going to call your first hole in one. <laughs> and no, it didn't. Work. Wasn't even close. <laughs> didn't no, work out. Wasn't even close. <laughs> the one thing I got to ask about promoting our golf courses is uh, I'm always scouring the score golf top 100 courses in Canada. And I don't think I've seen yep. a Manitoba course on there in the last 10 years. I, I, I looked today, Pine Ridge was ranked at 98 in 2010. Uh, so our fact checkers can confirm that or not, but it, <laughs> is there a way we can lobby score golf or, or what is that process? Or is, are you, is, would golf Manitoba be involved in that at all? Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that, but, being a proud prairie guy of Manitoba and Saskatchewan, I I wave the flag as much as, as you guys do. And you know, you mentioned Pine Ridge. Uh, I think of you know, you just think of, of a golf course like like Falcon Lake, right? Like it's absolutely beautiful. You think of of Granite Hills and what they've been able to build out there through literally the granite lakeside. Like it's one of the most picturesque places that you could go in Manitoba and then you know, Saskatchewan's got some fantastic courses that I talked about earlier on. So I guess the thing we all need to understand is, is there's so many golf courses in each province. It is hard to pick. Right. But again, being, being a Prairie guy, you'd like to see Manitoba or Saskatchewan get in there a little bit more, but it's pretty hard to argue with some of the the top 10 anyway that they've got listed in there because I've had a chance to play a number of them and and they are fantastic. Yeah, I was reading a report today. It was 77% of golf courses are in Ontario, Quebec, uh, BC, and Alberta, which makes sense. That's where the population Mm -hmm. is. But throw us a bone here in in Manitoba. I even think uh, there's probably been a few more Saskatchewan courses on that list. Uh, But uh, hopefully, I'm just going to tag score golf a bunch (laughs) with a bunch of golf pictures, and and that's going to (laughs) work. With all the yeah. empty beer cans yeah. in the background. Yeah, that's that's sure to get us right up top there. <laughs> but uh, obviously, uh, you know, your broadcasting career speaks for itself. Um, but for me, how did you actually get into broadcasting? Was it something that you wanted to do as a kid or did it just happen by chance? 
Yeah, I kind of got the bug in the last few years. We lived in Regina. Um, I was a Regina Pat season ticket holder, and and the Western Hockey League at that point was was kind of my NHL, right? Because that was what you got to go see, and it was different back then, where you'd get Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday nights, and you'd get the odd other game, but it was a whole different world than it is now, where you can literally watch every team play every game every night they go. So you'd get a little bit more accustomed to your local team. And that was in the glory days of when Mike Sillinger was scoring 50 goals a season with the Pats. And I could list you that whole roster from when I was in grade seven and eight. And then a couple of the guys actually billeted just down the road from me. So I was a huge Pats fan and Peter Lubardius, who's now the radio analyst for the Calgary Flames was the voice of the Pats back then. So I just kind of went up to him one day at the Dome, the Agridome, which is where the Pats played. That's what he used to be called. And just said, hey, you know, I think I'd like to maybe do this. Can I come hang, hang out with you one night? And and he was awesome, like 100%, no problem. And I probably watched him do five minutes of the game. And I was like, I'm hooked. Like, this is what I want to do all the way through. And then we ended up moving to Humboldt. My dad got transferred. And I did the same thing with the Broncos and the SJHL. And when uh, Regina would play in Saskatoon or PA, my parents would take me there. And, and Pete let me go sit in the booth when they were playing either the, the Blades or the Pat or the Raiders. So, uh, you know, he's kind of the guy that, that welcomed me into the possibilities. And then all the way through high school, that was kind of my singular focus. And went to the Western Academy of Broadcasting in Saskatoon after I grad, uh, graduated grade 12. And... Uh, as they say, kind of the rest is history after that. Yeah, well, it's kind of one of those businesses that you can really, you know, travel all across the country and be involved in sports, which is, you know, for the most part, uh, a dream. But for guys like me, you make it look really, really easy. Is it that easy? Or like, do you have some moments where you're like, oh, man, I really fumbled this one. I suck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the outtakes are probably... You know, it's funny when, you know, so much of it is live, obviously. Like, during the game, you'll fumble your way through sometimes. And I think that's one thing with maturity and just doing it longer and for as many years as you have is, you know, you can have some perfect nights, but for the most part, you're never going to be able to go three hours and not get tongue-tied, right? Like, that's just the realistic way of life. So, you know, you try all the way through, but I think you learn to kind of laugh it off a little bit too. Absolutely. And then, you know, there's the social media side of it where you're going to have some people that are uh, going to jump on top of you all the way through. So you got to kind of learn to navigate that as well. But for the most part, I think it makes you a little bit more human too, right? Like if, if you make a mistake, like drive down the roads in Winnipeg right now, there's potholes, like our roads aren't perfect. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same. Yeah, like it, it's kind of the same thing all the way through, right? Like nobody's perfect in the world. So as much as you like to, to try and have a seamless show, whether it's on TV or radio, like you're going to have little glitches all the way through. You just try and minimize them as much as you can with, the you know, the higher you go and, and the more eyes that you have on you. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is, is just getting the experience under your belt and kind of learning how to handle those situations and not let it get to you. And, and I refer it to what we're talking about here in golf. Like you have a bad shot or you have uh, a bad first period on the air or the intermission or whatever you're doing. 
you've got to move forward because it's done. Like you can't do anything more about it. People have seen it. People have watched it. They've heard it. So you just kind of continue and, and do your thing and carry on. But there's, uh, there's no question. There's, I've got a couple of blooper tapes that I uh, have come out and that kind of stuff that, uh, make you kind of laugh now that you look back at it. It wasn't funny at the time, but as uh, as you get a little bit older, you laugh at it now. Well, and I think it might be a little bit harder to find some of those bloopers because you had so much practice, you know, in those early days, you know, five seasons in the SJHL, and then you moved to the WHL in times where YouTube may not have been uh, as popular or Mm -hmm. nobody's uh, got you under a microscope with social media kind of thing. So I I wanted to ask a question about the SJHL. You, you must have been uh, the same age as the players that you're covering. Is that yeah, accurate? I was. And you, yeah, and, I was. And you're traveling on the bus with um, uh, with Nipawin, Humboldt, Melfort, and uh, Tisdale a little bit there. So what was that like, mm-hmm. traveling on the bus with with the players and covering at the, the same time? It was a dream because the cool thing about that, so when I finished, high school i mentioned i went to western academy of broadcasting in saskatoon it's a short course and then you would do your internship which i went to north battleford which my grandparents lived and my aunt and uncle and my cousins so i was able to to live with them for the few months that i did that and then i went for one year out to duncan bc did news sports kind of got my foot in the door for radio and then the job opened up in melford and the radio station was in melford so geography for everybody here that doesn't know Melfort is northern northeast Saskatchewan but it's an hour uh right in the middle of both Nippon and Humble so it's an hour north to Nippon it's an hour south to Humble so it worked out perfect because again my parents lived in Humble that's where I went to high school so some of the Broncos I went to high school with like (laughs) to this day yeah like to this day they were my closest friends and then you know, guys that played in Nippon, guys that, that played in Melfort, uh, you know, I, I still, I talked to a couple of them yesterday, actually. It's funny that comes up here right now. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome. So I'd spend as much time with the players as I would the coaches. So, you know, it, it was kind of hard to ride that line sometimes. But, you know, you think about it now, and the coaches are younger at that point, too. So it's not like you're dealing with 50-year-old coaches where – you're a 20 year old broadcaster and you don't really have anything in common with them. Like they're in their late twenties, early thirties. So it was great. If uh, the coaches were grumpy after a loss, I could hang out with the players. And if, uh, if everybody was happy, you just kind of hung out with everybody. So <laughs> it, uh, it, it worked out really good. You yeah. didn't have any angry sutters uh, in your day and age? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, well, when I was in PA, so after my five years in, in the SJHL, I got to go to the Western League, and, and that's where I thought that I had died and gone to heaven. Like, I always wanted to get to the Western League. I'd mentioned I was born in Regina. The Pats were my thing. Uh, the more I lived in Humboldt was kind of around the northern part, gravitated towards the Raiders, and uh, and that was that was it. Like I was I was in my glory. Like as good as as I thought it was when I had it in the SJHL, it was even just a little bit better. Uh, in the Western Hockey League, because you get to go to some of the big cities, right? You were going to Calgary, and you were going to Vancouver, and then you had the, the U.S. trip down to Seattle and Portland and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it was it was awesome. It was it was really cool. And 
Uh, you know, there's so many guys. And then those are the guys, too, that really you started to watch have a chance to get into the NHL. Like Jeremy Collins is the head coach in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the captain of the Raiders for a while. Nick Schultz had a long career in the NHL. He was the, the star defenseman when I was there. Reggie Bolshman, uh, goalie from, from Winnipeg here. He was our goalie. Uh, played for Canada, the World Junior Hockey Championship. So we had uh, we had a lot of really good players. The team wasn't that good, <laughs> but uh, we had we had a lot of uh, individual talent there that uh, went on to have some great things. And and again, uh, you know, I, I think of the nine years that I did calling junior hockey, whether it was in the SJHL or the Western League, and that's in all honesty, that's where my closest friends are today. That uh, you know, I talk to more than anybody. Absolutely. And then, so you got, there was four seasons in the WHL with Prince Albert Raiders and then 2004, 2005 NHL lockout season. Um, you know, the Edmonton road runner runners come about and you, did you throw in your resume and you somehow got a landed a gig with them? Yeah, that was exactly kind of how it happened. (laughs) And you know, it, it was, it was early in the hockey season too, because, being it was a lockout for the NHL, they didn't really know what they were going to do with pro hockey at that, you know, whether it was the American League or the NHL level. So it it happened in October. Like we were, I don't know, eight, ten games into the next Western League season already, and and the job came open. And, and literally, I, I threw my resume in because I thought, oh, why not? And never thought any more about it. And then I got the phone call offering me the job. So we, uh, every, the way the schedule worked out in PA is they'd play three or four games kind of start the year, and then they'd always go on their big West Coast trip. So I literally drove my car to Edmonton. Uh, the Raiders were going to start the road trip in Prince George, and we met in Edmonton. Then I jumped on the bus. I did the Western road trip with, uh, with the Raiders because – the uh, the Roadrunners weren't starting until like a week later, and there was nobody in town anyway. So I did like another five games for PA through Prince George, Kamloops, Kelowna. Um, where else were we through through BC? Anyway, bit of a mind block, but uh, <laughs> kind of did that whole thing all the way through there, and then did my last game in Kelowna. And uh, they continued on; they were going into. Alberta and I jumped on a plane from Kelowna, flew to Edmonton and I think the next night we started uh, with the Roadrunners and worked with Rob Brown who rode shotgun with Mario Lemieux and Yaramir Yager for all those glory years with the Pittsburgh Penguins so that was pretty cool and got my first taste of, of NHL hockey and playing on a Rexall place was neat because you know the Oiler Brass was always around like they weren't doing mm-hmm. anything so they were watching their AHL players so Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish and Charlie Huddy and Craig Simpson and Billy Moores, like the coaches just hung out around us all the time. So my first year in Edmonton, I got to hang out with Oiler royalty all the way through. So yeah. well, it's was, like hockey, hockey neat. royalty yeah. all the way through, let alone oh. Edmonton. Yeah. I was looking at some yeah. ros- roster highlights there. Rafi Torres and uh, Jarrett Stoll. Yeah. yeah. Not Jarrett, not to be confused yeah. with Jared Stahl, but Jarrett Stoll. <laughs> From Melville, Saskatchewan. Yeah, no. yeah. Mm. Absolutely. I, uh, him and I are, are pretty good friends, actually. And uh, it was it was neat to be able to, to call his games at that point. And, and you never knew what Rafi was going to do. That was uh, <laughs> the beginning of... Still don't. Of a very in- interesting... Hot, well, you know, 
he's, you shake his, your head sometimes. You're like, ah, what are you doing? He's yeah. like, I don't know. You know, like guys <laughs> would just kind of roll back in his head and he'd just kind of snap. But that sounds uh, like my golf you know, game. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you guys know what it's like. Like some of the, some of the guys that are a little off kilter sometimes are, are the greatest guys to hang around and mm-hmm. the, the ones that you like to be around the most. And you know, there, there were a lot of guys on that team, like Jeff Loywicka was there and Tyler Moss used to be a goalie here with mm, the Moose. Yep. Uh, he was our goalie that year. And there was, uh, there was a whole bunch of guys. Jeff Ward just got let go with the Calgary Flames a little while ago. He was the Roadrunners coach that year. Mm. Um, JJ Hunter, part of the Hunter brothers, a big country right, group yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he played. He played in PA uh, when I was there too. So that was kind of neat. So uh, yeah, lots of lots of memories for sure. Lots of uh, lots of guys. Absolutely. I was. I was also reading that that team was supposed to or could have moved to Saskatoon at one point, and then the uh, the deal kind of fell through. But that would have been interesting to have AHL mm-hmm. in, in Saskatoon. Yeah, it would have been. I never heard that. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, Mike does a lot of research. Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, they were trying to do a, a kind of a trade for the Saskatoon Blades would have gone to Edmonton, and then the Roadrunners would have gone to Saskatoon. But for some reason the Blades didn't want to leave, and there was a deal with the arena, and uh, mm. that's as far as I read. And business got involved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, so that's 2005 lockout season. 2005, yeah. 2006, you get called up to the National League, the big club, the Edmonton Oilers. How did that happen? Well, so the Roadrunners lasted only one year, right. and then they were they were moving on. So I needed a job, and didn't <laughs> really know what was going to happen. Like I've always said, if if the opportunity presented itself, I'd go back to the Western League and, and be the happiest guy in the world. But uh, you know the the way the radio station kind of played out, they uh, their program director at the time, Sid Smith, hosted the pre and the post game show as well. And he kind of had enough of that and just kind of wanted to get more into the management side. So timing was perfect. Uh, I got to work with Rod Phillips, the Hall of Famer, and, and Morley Scott was the color analyst. And Morley and I kind of co-hosted the pregame show. He traveled. I didn't. Uh, I didn't travel until the playoffs that year. And obviously, we'll probably get to the Stanley Cup in a minute here. But, uh, you <laughs> <No>. know, to, <laughs> yeah. Can you, but, can you uh, see my sheet right now? <laughs> Uh, I've done this interview a couple of times. I know how it goes, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Right. Like you you mentioned Stoli and and Tico that they were kind of the, the two guys that were the, the NHL players on the road runners. And then to be able to watch the rest of the big guys come in. And then that's obviously the year that they brought in Chris Pronger and Michael Pekka and Dwayne Rollison uh, was the goalie. And they were able to make it all the way to the final against Carolina. It was, it was quite my quite a quite a first impression in the no NHL kidding. for sure yeah. for a team that was just okay during the season and then clinched a playoff spot on I think it was the second last game of the season. Yeah, they were the and eighth then went seed. on the magical run. Yeah, they were the uh, Edmonton yeah. was the eighth seed playing the first seed Detroit. So uh, one of the questions: yeah. Did you travel with the team for playoffs or no? So I didn't travel until the Western Conference Final. Okay, so we did it from home. But the one thing it's kind of cool for me. I don't know if anybody else cares about it, but you mentioned the Detroit series. That was the last series that Steve Eiserman played mm. and they lost in Edmonton 
And I always had to do the, the post-game interview. Like you always hear at the end of the game, the two, three question walk-off. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to go to Todd Beam, their PR guy, and say, hey, can I get Steve Eiserman? Knowing the answer is going to be no. Like you're visiting radio. Like there's a pecking <laughs> order of how this goes, right? It's television, home, television, away, radio, home, radio, away. Well, I guess nobody asked to talk to Steve thinking it'd be a no. And mm. I did. So wow. <laughs> I was the first guy to talk to Steve Eiserman after the last game he played in the NHL. I still got the cassette tape. That's, oh. <laughs> sorry, what is a cassette tape? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Have, have you talked to Steve since that uh, <laughs> that last er, interview? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. Uh, when he was the GM in Tampa, the booth was actually right beside where he watched, where Paul Edmonds and I did the radio. And I did bring that up to him one of the, the first times and. I don't think he, you know, he's like, oh, cool, yeah. You know, he probably didn't remember it, but. You should get again, him to, uh, you should get him to sign that cassette tape. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It might not be a bad idea, I think. Yeah. So, you know, that's that first round, and then the Oilers make to the finals, and uh, unfortunately they lose to the Carolina Hurricanes in game seven. But, uh, so you did. Yeah. You did get to travel some, so that must have been a, a whirlwind just going to those games and must have been crazy. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I got to correct myself. I, I traveled into, I traveled in round two now that I think back mm. of it because mm. I didn't go in the Detroit series and then I did go in the San Jose series, which was round two. And then round three was Anaheim. And then the Stanley Cup was, was Carolina. So I got to go on, on three of the four. Uh, trips and obviously that was my first time on the charter plane with the team and yeah. kind of all that kind of stuff. So nice. I was I was a kid in the candy store then. Oh, okay. I believe it. <laughs> and then and then from there you're going you get uh, you get a gig with the Moose. How did you how did yeah. you how did you get from Edmonton all the way over to Manitoba? Yeah, so kind of how that played out was as the the Oiler year continued and and again we all thought the regular season was coming to an end in April. Uh, it was probably back late February, early March. Kelly Moore, who's back here in Winnipeg now, obviously, at CJOB, was the voice of the Moose at that point, and he was getting out of hockey. And Vic Grant was the program director at CJOB, and he was friends with Terry Simpson, longtime Jets coach, but also coached the Raiders in PA and spent summers uh, up at the lake where I was and I knew Simpson really well and I think you know kind of the Coles Notes version one day Vic and Terry were talking and Terry said hey I, I got a guy I know that, that might be interested and Vic called me up and I said yeah I wanted to get into play-by-play again like I enjoyed doing the pre and the post of the Oilers but uh, you know what if, if I want to take a run at doing NHL play-by-play this is probably what I've got to do it'd be a little bit more consistent in the American league because at that point, Rod Phillips wasn't going anywhere. He was in the hall of fame and had been the voice of the Oilers for 25 years or whatever it was at that point. So he was locked into that job. So I thought, you know what, let's, let's give it a run. And, uh, I was about two months late coming into the job because <laughs> they kept winning every round and obviously had to keep calling Winnipeg here and say, yeah, I'm going to be at least another, other four games, <laughs> it ended up being, uh, you know, all the way to game seven of the Stanley Cup final. But, uh, you know, it, it worked out awesome. And, uh, you know, my five years of, of calling Moose hockey was, was so enjoyable. Again, uh, 
you know, I was telling you guys before we started on the air here, I was talking to Michael Grabner today and mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of those different guys that played with, uh, with the Moose. And, you know, you talk to people behind closed doors and that kind of thing. You know, the NHL is awesome, but it's a business, right? And uh, the American Hockey League is a business too, but there's a little less pressure there. There's not as many eyes. There's obviously not as many dollar signs and decimal points and, and all that kind of thing where, you know, it's, it's a little bit more enjoyable where the NHL is, is big business and you got to be on every night. So, you know, my five years uh, doing the moose, you know, set the table for, for my nine years of, of doing Jets hockey because we were fortunate when, when the NHL came back that uh, at that point, you know, Claude Noel was the head coach, the training staff, uh, you know, the PR staff and myself, we were, we were all able to jump into the NHL and, and get our dreams to come true in, in 2011. Yeah, and I, it's, you start to start, sort of see some of the, like the narratives come out, and you you get like I think of you know Josh Morrissey and just how eloquent he is, uh, you know, oh. speaking on, on on air or whether you know in a press or whatever it might be. Um, but are there yeah. certain guys that you kind of keyed in on me like, oh yeah, that's my guy. I got to ask him him oh, all the questions absolutely. or ask for him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. They're they're kind of coined the media darlings. Mm. Um, you know, you nailed it right there with Josh. Like, you just don't find a better human, let alone hockey player, than Josh Morrissey. You know, Adam Lowry's in that same category. Nikolai Ehlers, Andrew Kopp, Matthew Perot. You know, the list goes on and on of players that have been here throughout the years that, uh, you know, they're, they don't have a problem doing it, right? So they probably... At some point, I'm sure they do, but we never hear about it. The PR guy might take a little bit more heat than, than what the media does. But, but again, that's, that's part of the business. And I guess you think of the couple of lightning rods we've had in Winnipeg here with Evander Kane and, and oh, Justin yeah. Bufflin. Like, you look at Evander, and I remember all the stupid stuff that he would do early in his <laughs> career. And I'd, I'd talk to him behind the scenes. I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, there's never bad press. You know, he loved it. Like, no publicity is bad publicity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then, and then you know, Buff's kind of the same way as what uh, what Keener was. Like, away from the microphone and away from the actual job, he was fantastic. Like, there was a few times we'd be on the road on an off day, and he's sitting in the corner, and you kind of look over as you're walking by a little establishment or something like that, and he's sitting in the corner and. He'd wave you over and sit down and have a pop and have a great visit for an hour and and not one thing about hockey would come up, right? Like it's just guys visiting and having Shane Knighty here was was obviously huge. Being a former player for me and him winning the cup in eleven, so many different experiences that uh, he was able to share and kind of took me under his wing a little bit too on you know, just to how to deal with the NHL players because mm-hmm. it is different than, than what it was in junior in the American League. So, um, you know, it, there's been so many interesting characters that have come through here that we can talk for hours just going through uh, through different people and, and what we've seen in the first decade here of Jets Hockey. And you, I guess, would have had a, a pretty good pulse on the team then as well. Uh, and at the NHL level, were they kind of more guarded with their, you know, PR folks and such to ensure that some of that stuff doesn't get out? Or were you kind of like, hey, if I see it, I'm going to say it? Well, that, so there's the difference of being a broadcaster compared to a media person, yeah. right? Because so on a regular day, the broadcasters get a one-on-one 
visit with a coach, whether it was Claude Noel in the first few years or, or Paul Maurice here for the last six or seven that, that he has been here now. And, you know, it's a closed-door meeting. And I would say that in that meeting we have, we come out as broadcasters, and I would say we probably tell you 20% of what went on in that office. <laughs> like, really, good. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but that's kind of how the broadcast relationship is. And it's like that with every team. If you don't, you're not going to last long. Right. Because as soon as you burn a player or a coach, they're not going to tell you anything ever again. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference of being a broadcaster compared to, you know, an insider or a newspaper guy. Now the insiders kind of go back and forth with, with sharing their information too. But for somebody that's writing in the newspaper, their job is to sell newspapers. Like they need the gossip. They need the story to, to get you to buy the, the newspaper. Right. Yeah. So I would say that, yeah, you, you've got to learn that early. And that was something that I would look all the way back to my time in the SJHL because, as you guys alluded to, I was doing three teams, right? I was doing Melford, Nipple, and Humble. Yeah. And they were all rivals. So I knew what was going on Tuesday, Wednesday with the Nipple and Hawks. And Friday, Saturday, when I'm with the Humboldt Broncos, I can't be sharing state secrets with the other teams because they're playing the next weekend. <laughs> so you got to kind of learn how to manage all your information and all that kind of thing. But the one thing that, uh, that is, is really good about, you know, Claude that was here and, and Paul now, and, and even dating back to Scott Arneal with the Moose is you gain that trust. And I know there's lots of stuff, like they're not telling us everything. And I'd be crazy to think they were, but, uh, you know, they give you the information to be able to do your job. And at the end of the day is, as the rights holder, whether it's for radio or television, that's the agreement between the two sides. But again, if, if you break it, then you're, you're in trouble. Do you see any of the like armchair coaches on social media where you just want to go and rip them and be like, Oh, that, that's not true. That's not true at all. Like you have no idea what's going on. Like how difficult is that to kind of bite your tongue in a situation like that? Uh, for the most part, I've learned to laugh at it. Okay. <laughs> Really, like, because what are you going to do, right? Like, you're not going to go on there and set the story straight. Right. So you fake, just fake Twitter account. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, fake Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think overall, when, and, you know, now that we're kind of into golf season, like, that's where you hear it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, during the year, and obviously not being a part of the broadcast team this year, it's, I've heard more from the general public than I have in the last nine years. And, <laughs> I'm still close to the team and I'm still on all their zoom calls and still talk to some of the players and coaches on a, on a fairly regular basis. So I know what's going on, mm-hmm. but, uh, just, just to kind of more hear, hear how the fans are looking at it. And it's great, right? Because you need, you need the people. Like if you don't have fans, you don't have a team. Yeah. So both sides kind of understand how it works, but there's no question that, there are some things that I definitely laugh at and there's other things I kind of shake my head at. And, uh, the other part I will say is I don't have my mentions on Twitter half the time. So I, I also miss a lot of it too <laughs> oh. at the same time. Okay. <laughs> and f- so for the, for the jets this year, uh, is that something where when you, when you look at them and a lot of people, a lot of noise, be like, Oh, you know, there's this or that going on in the dressing room. Do you kind of have a handle on what exactly is going on in the dressing room? 
yes and no. You know, yes, because you talk to guys. And, and again, when I was traveling with the team, I would have seen and known more. But at the end of the day, we're not in that room, right? Yeah. Like we're in there for five minutes, 10 mm-hmm. minutes a day. And if there's something going on behind the scenes, it's not going to go when the media is there because it, it would get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, I think the one thing that, again, that I kind of learned earlier on is, you know, the dressing room is, is the player's spot and you go in, you do your job and then you kind of get out of it. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's their living room, right? Like it's not like you want everybody coming into your living room when you get home from work every day. <laughs> no. Nope. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that, uh, I guess you kind of learn with, with more age and maturity is you, you hear everything and you just kind of cipher through what you need to use and what you don't need to use. And what what goes into then uh, on your point because doing jet stream and stuff like that, what goes into making you know a story for you to say, hey, you know what this this is a good narrative. Let's put this out there. I just think it's what the people would be interested in, right? Like you do look at Twitter, you see what some of the storylines are. Obviously, here as of late, they had the seven game losing skid, and mm-hmm. again, being being a guy that has been as close to the team as I have since they came here, you. It, it grinds on you as not even anywhere near as much as it does on them, but yeah. you know, you, you still want them to have success. And, you know, I want this team to win a Stanley cup this year, which I think they have an opportunity to do, but uh, you know, I think overall you, you just want to tell the, the compelling storylines and, and you want to promote the team as, as possible as you can, because one day we're all going to be able to get back into the rink together again. And you want 15,000 plus there for opening night, whenever the doors are there and, you want it to continue all the way until, again, hopefully right now is he's the captain. So you want to see Blake Weaver be the first guy to grab the Stanley Cup and lift it here in the city of Winnipeg at one point. Oh, yeah. Can't, can't wait to see that party. No, yeah. And speaking yeah. about that party, I mean, obviously, Brian, you've been in the Bell MTS rink quite a bit. And one of my questions I wanted to ask you is, what is the most memorable moment that you've experienced in that arena? Oh boy. Um, for me, it's tough to say one. I've probably got a few that I can't say this is one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five. Uh, the Calder Cup final against the Hershey Bears was awesome. Right. Like the game two, their game two win in the final, Jason Jaffrey scored three goals um, that night was one of the most memorable nights ever because they should have won game one. They lost and then they were able to win game two. And then you're like, okay, this team is now three wins away from winning a Calder cup. And people, people don't remember this. And it obviously wasn't quite to the level of what it was in 18 when the jets went to the Western conference final outside the building, but inside what was then MTS center and now bell MTS place that place was just as loud. Like it was going absolutely bananas in there mm-hmm. for the American hockey league Calder cup final. Right now you get to obviously 2018 and you've got people wall to wall, five blocks deep rounding the building for what was such a memorable time in the family cup playoffs. That's hard to beat, right? Because the, the building was a buzz and, Sarah and I walked out a couple times during the Minnesota series and the Nashville series early. And we'd literally get 
I don't know, five, ten minutes, we'd get outside the door and then we'd start to turn around because he couldn't move. Yeah. Right? Like it was, yeah. it was, it was such a party. It was so much fun Yeah, that it was from a working standpoint. Okay. I can't get too far away because I've got to turn around and then manage my time to get back into the arena <laughs> for whatever we had to do on air respectively for her TV or my radio. For sure. So, uh, it was, it was crazy, but, uh, you know, I think from a jet standpoint, obviously we talked big picture about the 18 playoff run, but, uh, you know, my first game, the the Montreal game here for the regular season, even mm-hmm. before that, uh, they had the split squad when Columbus was here and busted his thing on the oh, opening right. shift yeah. there. Drops where, the gloves, yeah. Yeah, like this is welcome to Winnipeg. This is what Jeff Hockey is going to be <laughs> like. Awesome. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, a number of, of different games. Uh, you know, we talk about the Montreal game. You think about the outdoor game, obviously, it's uh, – at investors group field when the Oilers were here, like that was pretty cool. Um, you know, the game in Regina obviously was neat for me being born there and watching the jets and the flames play. So, uh, lots of those experiences. And then, you know, maybe one of the, the kind of one, a B C or D you can throw in there too, was the trip over to Finland with Patrick lining. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, when, when's a kid born in Regina going to go to Finland <laughs> for work. Right. And that was, that was a really cool week. Cause I'd never been over there. And, uh, and I, I really got along great with Patrick. He was outstanding with my son. And, uh, you know, we talked about kind of media darlings earlier on. He was a fun guy to talk to all the time, whether you were on <laughs> air or, or just kind of hanging out. And, and he loves playing golf too. So oh, we really? talked hmm. golf as much as we, we talked about hockey. And that's, you know, that's kind of one thing that I found, in, in the NHL is you've got so many guys who love playing golf. It's, it's kind of a good icebreaker where you can talk about golf for five or 10 minutes before you actually do your three minutes of work from, uh, from a hockey standpoint. So, um, you know, getting a chance to go to Finland seeing what that was all about and, and those two games against Florida and understanding how big of a rock star Patrick Laine is in that country. Mm. Just like you look at uh, the Canadian guys that play over here in our country, it was, that was pretty special to see firsthand. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good one. A, B, C, D, I think, uh, for, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for me, I, I really enjoyed that, uh, that first playoff series against Anaheim in 2015. Those two games were insane. We lost them, but, uh, the building was insane. There was like a two minute go jets, go chant mm-hmm. through the commercial break. And then it was, uh, like Katie Perry, which, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, take that with what you will. But, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, insane just to experience that for a first time. And then previous, uh, uh, the, the following playoff games after that in in uh, 2018 there were were pretty amazing, but um, yeah, the Anaheim series kind of gave you a little bit of a glimpse of what it could be like. Exactly, right? like you knew. I think we all had a feeling deep down that Winnipeg wasn't going to win that series. It was kind of their introduction to what the Stanley Cup playoffs were all about. But sure. you're right, the fans were jacked; they were ready to go and all of a sudden then when you get into the 2018 run and you watch the way that went through through three rounds was was just awesome like that that's why you want fans what it's safe to do so mm-hmm. for everybody involved uh back in the building here because we're getting close to the end of the regular season and i don't think we're going to see fans in canada uh mm-hmm. in the playoffs maybe we might into round three and four or something like that depending how things play out or 
who knows, do, do the Canadian teams get to play in Canada? Do they have to go down to a right. bubble? Mm-hmm. You know, no one knows the answer to that right now, but I think as, uh, as you watch things again, when everything's safe to do so, get back to a little bit normal, more normalcy here that, uh, I think people might be even louder than they were before. For sure, for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, keeping in the theme of Belt MTS Place, uh, my brief time working there as a, as a on <laughs> flight the, crew, on right? The flight yeah, the crew, flight crew. Yeah. Yes, uh, I heard rumors of great catering available to the media upstairs. I think the favorite was the the taco days. Is that accurate? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so tacos, the, the taco bar is fantastic, yeah. and the other one was the. Uh, the Ukrainian night. Oh they yeah, had, like the pierogies and the sausage <laughs> and the mashed potatoes and the gravy. Like oh, you'd you'd have that meal about four thirty five o'clock and you just kind of go into your booth and marinate for a couple hours before <laughs> the game. So obviously you've been. I would assume that you've been in every single arena in the NHL. Is that true? Multiple times. Yeah. Uh, and so, what in your opinion? Uh, you know, what would be the best catering spread for the media on game day, taking Bell MTS uh, place out of that? Detroit. Detroit. Mm. What are they Octopus? serving up? Pizza? Uh, everything. <laughs> yeah, they well, raised the Illich family that, that runs, oh, right. you know, right. as much as you joke about yeah. that, like, there there is Little Caesars pizza in there. And, <laughs> pizza, but pizza. no, they're, they've got a, uh, they've got a buffet line that probably 15 yards long and it's it's crazy uh, and then the thing that seems to top it off with the media is a little bit of a soft serve ice cream machine at the end of it Ooh. so uh they've got that la is kind of the same thing the uh staples center in los angeles yeah. has a uh, pretty good setup there boston's pretty good I would say those are probably the top three. Yeah, I'll have to check those out. Maybe I'll get have to, I'll get a media card for the podcast. And maybe, <laughs> yeah. I, I you was going to say, how do you yeah. plan on doing that? Yeah. I got a laminator, uh, Brian, so I, I can print right. it off a thing and just laminate. I think that's, that would probably get past security these days, I think. Well, actually, back in the day... Some when, buildings it would. Yeah, well, like back in the day, I remember like we, we used to do that. We used to make VIP passes uh, when I was with, with Hank FM, and we would laminate them. And we put it on a lanyard, and believe it or not, nine times out of ten, you'd be able to get backstage like at Dolphins Country Fest. Wow! Yeah, Come was, on. yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, you'd go, you get to go to like eat, eat in the food, you get to go in the food tent, Jeez. and and people were just like, "How did you get these passes?" And I was like, "Well, I'm not going to tell you, but mine, I'm like a laminator and paper, baby, word, wow. word art, a lot of word art." <laughs> Being as a as a big country music guy, you've kind of piqued my interest here on this. <laughs> <laughs> just have, just have a professional lanyard. Yeah, <laughs> you got some nice headshots of you. Put on VIP yeah. or all access, and away you go. I don't know how well they're going to work yeah. now because they start using QR codes and yeah. they have some nice little yeah. you know decals and stickers that they put on that yeah. shine a certain way. So it might yeah. be a little bit trickier now, but so. you know in the in the late two thousands uh, it was pretty pretty easy. Yeah, uh, Brian, back in the good old days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One last question here before we get into our back nine lightning round. You mentioned you know you're spending a lot of time with these teams. You're you're traveling with them. You're developing friendships. You always hear about pranks going on in the teams. So have you ever been a part of what would be the most elaborate? Has anyone pranked you or have you been a part of a prank? Oh, I've, I've got the shoe check a million times. Um, <laughs> so ex- what, what is, is, what is the, the shoe check for our listeners? Yeah. So <laughs> what that is, is, you know, you'll be at a dinner 
and there'll be, you know, 30 guys or whatever. And you'll be in conversation and somebody will be really into a deep conversation or just really getting your attention. Someone else crawls underneath the table with, uh, ketchup or some kind of a sauce or whatever, pours it on your shoe and then kind of backs out. And then when he's safe back into his position, everybody kind of clanks their spoons on their glass and everybody kind of looks down at your shoe and some unlucky person has uh, had their shoe colored (laughs) by uh, whatever that might be. So I've had that happen. I've done it to a few people as well. Um, So watch out. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, uh, and then there was kind of on that same note, I remember we had a, uh, it might have actually been with the Roadrunners, and I'm not going to name the player, mm-hmm. but he said he wasn't feeling well, so wasn't expected to come down, and he sat at the, underneath the buffet where everybody went and grabbed their food, and he got everybody that went through. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and no one's really paying attention, just a little dab from underneath the uh the, the uh tablecloth there that uh-huh. that no one expected anybody to be so oh. and then there's lots of other ones that i'm just not going to tell you about <laughs> that's okay <laughs> that's fair yeah. we, we, we edit ourselves a lot on this uh program um but yeah <laughs> but uh we have made it to the back nine lightning round it is presented by jamie wilkie at the new winnipeg dodge in the point west auto park where you can improve your ride and your drive just go see Wilkie. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from him. He's a former Manitoba amateur champ, so he'll also take you out for a round at Breezy Bend if you buy from him. So you can check him out, winnipegdodge.com. Go see him. See him now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got a bunch of questions for you here, Brian yeah. Munns, and uh, Mike's going to kick it off for you. Yeah, the back nine lightning round. So the first question here, and you, you t- touched on it earlier, but have you ever gotten a hole-in-one, or have you come close? Oh, I've been close multiple times. Mm. I think I've been close anyway. I still, <laughs> I am, I am still impatiently waiting. Mm. Yeah. What we always say is it's probably hit the the pool noodle that's in the hole there and it bounced out. You get up there and, and so it's <laughs> yeah. not in the hole. That's probably what happens. But you definitely knocked it close yeah, enough I, to I to wish. be within giving distance, then, right? Oh yeah, I've I've had lots of those where you know I've been within four or five inches for sure. Oh jeez. No, no, nothing has fallen. And I think about it, I've only think I've seen maybe three lives. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I haven't had a lot of luck in that department. Mm-hmm. 2021, I think, is yeah. the year, though. I think that counts. <laughs> That's what we all say, yeah, isn't it? Right, yeah. Well, now that you're with Golf Manitoba, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. You got some um, Golf Manitoba magic, hopefully, in the, in those hands and Again, arms. Again, I, I, I want to be able to send my own tweet. We don't want everybody else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, we won't hold our breath for that we'll, tweet. We'll uh, take out the whole front page uh, in the newspaper and just post it there. Uh, so the next question here, what is your favorite golf ball brand or model that you you use? You got a favorite one that you use? I'm a tailor-made guy. I, mm. uh, in connection with uh, the Humboldt Broncos Memorial Golf Tournament that uh, Jared Bedner and I host, host uh, back in our hometown of Humboldt, uh, we've been able to build a, a great connection with the, the tailor-made people. And over the last few years, uh, I've been fortunate to be able to play their newest clubs. And then uh, we auction them off uh, during the Bronco Tournament after uh, summer's over because our tournament in Humboldt's right at the end of August. So it works out really well. So I am a... Uh, Hard-carrying 
tailor-made guy from head to toe for sure. The TP5s, I believe. Is that correct? Yep, yeah. they are. That's the new new ball they got going. Um, yep, so and it, they go fairly straight. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'll have to try them out. I've tried them once or twice before. Usually, I just use used Pro V ones, but uh, I'll take <laughs> and then used, lose them. I'll I'll take used TP5s. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next question here: What is your favorite course in Manitoba? Oh, I can't answer that anymore. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got seventy of them right now That's under our right. umbrella, and we're looking for more. Right? How's that for an answer? That's a pretty good answer. So, how about this? <laughs> Since you're originally from Saskatchewan, what is your favorite course yeah. in Saskatchewan? Waskasu, the Lobster Golf Course. The Lobster, a Stanley Thompson course. Is mm. that correct? It is. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, it's kind of like Clear Lake. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the idea of uh, of the course. It's you know inside the national park, and right. again, that's where I grew up. My my dad and I have played tons of, of rounds, and that's that's the place where if I need to get away, or if I feel like okay, I want to relax for a week in the summer and and go somewhere. That's that's my heaven. Like that's right. where where I want to go and get uh, a few guys that live up at the lake that were actually around PA when uh, when I played there. We got a group of us that uh, get out, and that's that's my happiest time in the summer is when I get a chance to go out and play that golf course a few times. Yeah, even online I was looking at it in very similar looking to Clear Lake, which makes sense because the front nine of Clear Lake yep. was also designed by Stanley Thompson. Mm-hmm. And a, right. and a Cinnamon golf course as well, which JR here worked at a Cinnamon while he was 12 right. years old. Yeah, something. right. Started at 12 and uh, it was, well, not when I was there. It was still a nine hole. But yeah, it started out as a 27 hole golf course, I believe. Really? Yeah. Wow. Over 100 years old. So yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on throughout your career, you've obviously covered mostly hockey, but you did have a golf show on 900 CKBI <laughs> covering the Lobstick Tournament. Wow. You've done your homework. <laughs> yeah, I did. So this, okay. this is all Mike does at work. So, <laughs> No, we'll, we'll edit that. But tell us about the lobstick because that that seems uh, pretty fun. It's fantastic. So you're going to have to update me on this one just because I get them confused. At uh, at Clear Lake, you've got the gray owl and you've got the tamarack. Correct. The tamarack is the week long one, right? That's the long match play. Yeah. Kind of Monday to Saturday kind of deal. Yeah. Okay, so that's the same thing as what the lobstick is in Waskasu. Oh, uh, okay. And. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I kind of ran the best scam there was for nine years. <laughs> we would uh, go up and do do radio reports because, again, they're like, so here's dating myself a little bit when I talked about cassette tapes earlier on. <laughs> when I was in uh, Melfort, that's kind of when the Internet started. And wow. then it continued to grow when I was in PA. So the only way you would get your updates for what was going on was, either on the radio or the next morning in the Saskatoon Star Phoenix newspaper. So there was the Melfort radio guy or the PA radio guy and the newspaper reporter from the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. Those were the three media members. And we would go up Monday morning and we would spend the entire week at the lake. And we'd just hang out, watch golf, do our interviews. And we didn't do it for for the Melfort radio for the first five years, but the last four years when I was in PA, we would do that 
uh, golf show that you talked about from one of the uh, hotel lobbies. And we would have golfers come in from the tournament. And then we would have some audio that we would run as well from earlier interviews. But then I also turned it into a bit of a hockey thing. Like I mentioned, Terry Simpson was up there. Uh, Dave King was there. Dave Manson was there. Uh, NHL referee Brad Meyer. Uh, Robin Regeer. Like there was lots of hockey guys that played in this event as well. Ryan Beta played in Carolina a little bit. So these guys would all play in this golf tournament. So they'd come in and we'd just shoot the breeze about golf and then we'd throw some hockey into the conversation and and it went over huge. Like yeah. this this was one of my highlights of the summer where you got to live at the lake for a week and, and play golf. But the best part about it was obviously during the week the course is closed, but we would do hole by hole coverage of the championship final. Oh, wow. <laughs> on the Saturday. Yeah. So the semifinal, though, they needed a little bit of a buffer between the general public that would come out because your field was cut down and your players that were in competition. So me and the other radio guy decided, well, hey, there's no better buffers than us. So we played golf in behind the semifinals. And then when we had to do our radio updates, we would just zip up on the golf carts and the guys knew what we were doing and they were fantastic about it. So, you know, we just go up and say, hey, you know, what's what's your match at right now? They'd tell us we'd do our radio hits and then we'd continue to play golf. So it was, uh, it was really good. That sounds fun. We'll have to find the cassette tapes from, (laughs) from those broadcasts. (laughs) Yes, you will. There, uh, there's a couple in my basement. (laughs) One thing I wanted to ask about Saskatchewan golf is uh, I heard there's a, a lot of courses using sand greens, which I, you know, more rural courses, but low, low maintenance, low cost, using the sand greens. Have you played on these sand green courses? I've only played one sand green golf course in my life. I don't know where you're getting that information from. Is is this the Manitoba-Saskatchewan rivalry coming out, or are you being honest? No, no, I'm being honest. One of our our listeners of the 10 uh, lives in Saskatoon, Mr. Needham. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so he said there was a lot of sand greens out there. He plays out of Dakota. Really? He plays out of Dakota Dunes in Saskatoon. Oh no, I've I've played Dakota, and it's much like Southwood here. It's uh, it's a really nice links course, mm-hmm. and their greens are fantastic. Maybe he's just in the bunkers all day. No, no, <laughs> no sand greens at Dakota Dunes. But he did say, <laughs> I guess there was a lot of. I found an article on Golf dot com. I'll I'll send it to you. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of interesting. They they mix the sand with oil, and and you put on mm. the uh, sand, and I'm not sure. Yeah, so yeah, like it was a. Uh, I can't even remember what the place was called. It was a little lake resort course that, you know, wasn't really kept together or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it was more just for families to go out and whack the ball around. And that's exactly what it was. Like, it was a hard dirt surface that you would putt on. And then, much like people do for flooding the rinks in the backyard that they make in the wintertime, they would have a, a big cloth on a stick and you'd kind of rake this thing back and forth and yeah. get rid of your footprints and divot marks and kind yeah. of carry on. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I, I kind of saw. So anyways, that was like five questions in one. So right now we're only officially on question four. Uh, we like to keep count. Okay. We're big math guys here on the podcast, but uh, so next question here, broadcasting is obviously, you know, taking you all over North America and the world. What is the most memorable course you have ever played? 
Oh, I would probably say it is a tie right now between Beth Page Black in New York. Mm, nice, yeah. And Pelican Hill in Anaheim, California. Ooh. Uh, I'd never been to Pelican before, and uh, I've played there probably three or four times now, and it's gorgeous. Like, it's right on the ocean. A number of the holes are overlooking the water, and it's just so picturesque. And then, obviously, Beth Page Black, everybody that knows what the golf uh or no, everybody that's in the golf world knows what mm-hmm. that place is like, and just yeah. the 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 fact that it's it's so well known it was, it was pretty neat to be able to go out and play that. It was a few years ago, right before the Jet season opened. Dennis Bayak and I went and played, and uh, you know, just to walk down the fairways and know that Tiger and Phil Mickelson and Rory and all the the big stars. You know, the biggest players in golf have all played that same course. Yeah, well, it's right out there on Long Island, and it's only uh, 20 minutes from Nassau Coliseum, so I was curious if you included it on one of your trips. But Yeah, yeah, no, we uh, we snuck it in. The uh, It was one of those, again, however many years ago it was, where the Jets opened up against kind of the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, and uh, they always went out a day early just before to make sure everybody was uh, set to go and not distracted and... Dennis and I made sure we didn't distract. We went and played golf early one morning. <laughs> <That's>, nice. <laughs> that sounds fun. Worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. So you must have a bucket list course, something you've never played before, but but you you know, you, you gotta get out there. So what is that bucket list course? Well, I think everybody would say Augusta, right? Mm-hmm. Like yes. That's that's the one that uh, that you'd love to go. But you know, there's so many. There's there's Augusta, there's Pebble Beach. I had a chance to play Pebble probably five years ago we had a day off in san jose and a bunch of the players were going to go and i just elected not to at the last minute and kind of probably kicked myself to the day that i didn't take mm-hmm. advantage of that um but i would say that those would be the first two but then when you talk to people like i talked to the san jose broadcasters and they talk about spyglass and and all those other ones that are probably more picturesque than what pebble is mm-hmm. but jr here's played uh, spyglass yeah i got the opportunity to play spyglass it ended up turning into my stag and i don't remember the last uh 13, 14 <laughs> holes, whatever it was. But uh, regardless, it's really nice. Yeah. The, the first few holes are great. Yeah. It took a few pictures. <laughs> yeah, it took a few pictures. Yeah. Yeah. But th- those are probably kind of one, two for me. And then I'll be honest, I, like now I want to get out to Cabot on the, mm, right. on the East yeah. Coast here of, of yeah. Canada and get a chance. Like you watch and you see, like all my buddies have now pretty much got out and played it. And it just looks unbelievable. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so probably that's, uh, that's, that's probably on the, my uh, more realistic bucket list of what's <laughs> happening. And then, for sure. you know, you'd love to get over in England and play the old course and kind of oh, do yeah. that five six five six course tour that uh, I know a lot of people do too. So yeah. I've got uh, I've, I've got lots of things to try and hit yet. Yeah, <laughs> lots of buckets. Yeah, St Andrews would be uh, great. I, I don't I don't mention it very often on every the episode. Here, every episode, I, uh, Mike mentions that in, he played there. <laughs> in 2019, I played the old course and I waited uh, in queue for like six hours and, and was able to get a tee time and and it was absolutely amazing. So you have to get out there. Was and, the weather good though? Like, did you have the great experience? Yeah, you know what it was. You know, it wasn't 
It was a little windy. We had the sun. It was in it was in early October, so it was a little chilly. The day before was raining and awful. It was like zero degrees outside, and you got to wait. We had I couldn't get a tea time, so you got to wait outside like pretty well overnight. Since two thirty a.m. to seven thirty a.m., I waited outside. My fiance waited with me, so thank you, Brett, uh, for waiting with me. And then uh, yeah, and then the next day was sunny, and uh, it was it was amazing. So it was a uh, it was. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. Like that, that's the thing you always worry about, right? Is you you do something like that, and then you hear the horror stories of guys that had rain coming sideways at mm-hmm. them, but you still go out and play it because you're there, and that's kind of the way golf was invented and all that kind of deal. But yeah, you go over there and you put so much into it, you just kind of keep your fingers crossed that you have something that you know seventy percent of you think, okay, this is awesome. Exactly. Right. Yeah. The other thirty percent kind of gets knocked out because. <laughs> 70% yeah. Overruled it. yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I had one day to do it, and uh, if I didn't get on the old course, I'd there's seven other courses on that uh, St. Andrews area there, but uh, yeah, no, it was great to play there. So, um, next question here What is your career low round? Even par 72 at Southwood. Oh, at Southwood, that's pretty good. Wow, I guess the wind was zero kilometers that day. <laughs> yeah, I had one birdie, one bogey. Who? That's Consistent. I like it. And yeah. uh, just 16, 16 cruising around parties. Usually I can get in my own head and kind of have that blow up. <laughs> we but, know how that uh, goes. <laughs> yeah. I was able to keep it level all the way through there. And uh, yeah, even even pars is what I've been able to do so That's far. Right on. That's pretty good. Uh, so one of the last questions here, uh, when we kind of touched on it earlier, recent rule changes allow you to leave the pin in while putting. Uh, taping, taking COVID rules out of the picture here, do you ever putt with the pin in or do you still remove the pin when allowed? You know what? It doesn't really bother me. Like, I'm good either way. Mm. If the group I'm playing with, if somebody says, you know, I'd like to keep it in, I'm like, sure, whatever. Like, I don't know. I I know that obviously you take it out, you probably got a better chance because there's more hole for the ball to actually fall into. But hmm. if it's going at pace, it might knock it down and it might keep it in the hole too. Yep. So yeah, that's kind of well, kind of two. Yeah, there's kind of two trains of thought on that one for me. But I guess at the end of the day, if I had my preference, I'd probably say pull it out just for for the optics of it. But mm-hmm. again, right now we're all playing with it, and at least we should be, in my opinion, anyway, yeah. because you want to least amount of touch points as possible until everything turns out proper or turns out proper again and mm-hmm. back to what we're used to. So yeah. I, I know it drives some people crazy, but uh, <laughs> again, I think if, if that's kind of bothering you, then you've got more things to worry about than that. Exactly. Yeah. I like to leave it in and it's kind of been 50, 50 on, on, you know, some of the more traditional um, pros that we amateur pros uh, we've talked to they like to take it out but uh, it it works for me and uh, we'll leave it at that so we've come well, to I know some people have some people have said too when you watch like the pros on TV that the longer putts make it easier if it's in yeah. oh yeah yeah I that's haven't what figured I out exactly how they yeah I haven't figured that part out yeah that, <laughs> it really matters in my game but uh, overall yeah. though that's at least what they're telling me on TV. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know if it's helping, but it seems to help. <laughs> it's just less work to take it out, right? I guess. Uh, so our, our flagship question of the back nine lightning round brought to you by Jamie Wilkie. And the new Winnipeg Dodge, Point West Auto Park, winnipegdodge.com. So 
don't be afraid to uh, think outside of the box on this one. There are no wrong answers. So the question is, what is your favorite condiment? Favorite condiment? Yeah, so you're, uh, you're barbecue, ma- sauce. barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce, nice. Well, lots of barbecue a lot of barbecue sauce. sauce, actually, recently. Yeah, so you're making the turn. You got a hot dog, hamburger, whatever it might be. And if they got barbecue sauce, that's what you're slapping on. Is there a particular barbecue sauce that you like? Well, no hot dogs. I don't eat hot dogs. Oh, Those oh no hot disgusting. dogs. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, uh, it's hamburger smoky or just keep going. Oh, oh okay. Any hot dogs you're not eating, I am. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, pulling up the slack that on those. That's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Brian, anti hot dog muns here. We, yeah. but uh, that's okay. Yeah. As long as they aren't made of yeah. camel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our last one, guest, Sandy. One, one B would be ketchup. Mm. You know, barbecue sauce and ketchup are kind of one, one A, one B. Good. Oh, well, that's great. Well, that concludes the uh, back nine lightning round, uh, driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in the Point West Auto Park. You can check uh, out Wilkie as well as the whole crew there at Winnipeg Dodge, winnipegdodge.com. Well, it's been a slice. That concludes it. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, making the time and coming on the show for us. Uh, we look forward to seeing your tweets and your hole-in-one. And... Yeah, we'll have to. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get that cake out to you from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can find them DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. And you can also follow them now on the Instagram, DQ Manitoba. Thanks again, Brian, so much uh, to you. And uh, yeah, looking forward to dropping off that cake for you. Appreciate the time again and have a good one. Anytime, guys. Uh, keep up the good work. It's been fun to visit. And, uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to get out for a round of golf here sooner than later. Oh, we'd love that. Yeah, we'd yeah. really appreciate it. You Thanks can teach so much. us. Yes. Teach us how to golf. <laughs> yeah. We'll have a DQ cake. We'll get some barbecue sauce and have at it. Uh, it's separate occasions. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Take care, fellas. Have you a too. great night. Thanks, yep. you too. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12-12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. You can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile. Because tomorrow, you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea Line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. 
It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats.